Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, July 23, 2017. Our text for the day comes from Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. He, Jesus, put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. In 1855, when Joseph Scriven wrote a poem to his mother while he was in Canada and she was in Ireland, back in Ireland, it was a poem meant to never be shared with someone else. These were words of comfort from a son to his mother of the most intimate type. For there's nothing like a spiritual struggle. There's nothing like doubting the presence of God. There's nothing like questioning whether or not God really cares for us, whether or not Jesus really cares for us. And in 1855, when he wrote this poem, what a friend we have in Jesus. He could not have imagined that 162 years later, it would be part of the church's repertoire. He couldn't have imagined that 23 years after he wrote this letter, it would become part of the Methodist hymnal. He could not have imagined that only three of the four verses would be printed, or that a pastor would stand up and tell people to Google the fourth verse. He had said the word Google to him, he had been like, what are you talking about? And yet, this is one of those songs that penetrates who we are. And it points out realities of God, but even more so than that, it points out realities about us. But the word friend is a universal term, but it has individual meaning. And rather than just assume that we all have the same definition of friend, I want you to think for a minute. Three characteristics that you would say a friend has to have.
Think about that. Three characteristics. And only three, because you could go down the list. But three characteristics a friend should have. Or someone that you call a friend has. Think about those three characteristics. Then take 90 seconds, turn to your neighbor, and share those three characteristics with each other. All right, what's, somebody shout out, what's one characteristic? What's that? Time. They give you their time. Another characteristic? Trust. What else? Someone who has your back at any time. That's interesting. We're going to revisit that in a minute. Others. Caring. What's that? Caring. Caring. Honest. That's another one we're going to revisit. Accepting. Accepting. Loyal. Loyal. Generosity. These are all things that are absolutely essential to the life of a friend. And yet... There are things that at one time or another we have all failed at. Sometimes spectacularly. Or we think that someone has failed at being our friend. When in fact sometimes being a friend means loving you enough to tell you the God's honest truth even when you don't want to hear it. And in these verses of what a friend we have in Jesus and I wish the fourth verse had been included. You really need to go Google that. But in these verses, you notice that Scriven doesn't just focus on Jesus. But he focuses on our relationship with our Lord. You know, you look out and, oh, what peace we often forfeit. He's dealing with the reality that it, when there's an issue with our relationship with God, the reality is it's not God's issue, it's ours. We see, oh, what needless pain we bear when we do not carry it to God in prayer. And notice nowhere in this poem does Scriven say God's going to give us what we want when we answer, when we go to God in prayer. But imagine the peace we forfeit, the pain, the needless pain. Can we find a friend so faithful? The answer is no. Even our most faithful friend is not as faithful as God. Jesus knows our every weakness. You know, there are things going on in this poem, in this hymn, that we really don't like to talk about. We don't want to talk about our own insecurities. We don't want to talk about our own frailties. Have you ever met anyone in life where everything else is somebody else's fault? Complete lack of self-awareness. Have you ever been at that point in your life? The answer is yes. We all have had that point in life where we're not self-aware. We want to pin it on something else. That's why the third verse is so cool. He talks about, are we weak and heavy laden? Are we cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms, He'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. That sentence. Thou wilt find a solace there. Did not say you will find the answer you want. will not find the outcome you want. But you will find a solace. Because a good friend is one that's with you every step of the way. As a friend of mine, a call, or a friend of, actually it's a colleague of mine, a United Methodist minister, and I will not give you their name, said a good friend is one that bails you out of jail. A best friend is one that is in jail with you. 
And you think about it. There's a lot, there's a lot of theology behind that. That will, as they say, that'll preach in many ways because the one that is with us every step of the way. And yet, throughout Scriven's words in this poem, in this hymn, is the acknowledgement of the reality of pain and suffering in our souls. The reality that there are times where we are weak and we are heavy laden and we are burdened and we are sorrowful. And we look around and we ask ourselves, why does it seem like people who could not care less about God seem to have it made and here I am trying to be faithful and my life turns from one disaster to another? It's one of those questions that we all ask of God from time to time. Jesus, if you love me, then why is it like this? And in this parable from Matthew's Gospel, we deal with some of the realities of being the faithful. And we deal with some realities. We see how Jesus is our friend. Even in the times where we are circumstantially burdened, Jesus is still our friend because Jesus takes the bigger picture in mind. We, what a friend we have. You ever find yourself going, where is God with all the evil in this world? In this passage that Joe read to us, we hear those questions being asked of our Lord. And they said to us in the second part of this passage, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And Jesus answered, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field of the world is the world. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Let us never forget the first thing we better remember from this passage. That is that you and I have been put in creation to be visible reminders of God's love and peace through our actions and attitudes. We have been put in creation to be visible reminders of God's love and peace through our actions and through our attitudes. Sometimes it can be easy to forget that Christ has put us out there to bloom and to grow. We have been put into various circumstances in our lives by God. Not that God causes the bad things to happen. That's the work of sin in the world. But God has put us in creation to be a stark contrast. Have we got any gardeners in the room? Anybody who enjoys growing a garden? I have a question. What is it? Define a weed. What is a weed? Not weed. That's a different story. What is a weed? Any plant... How do you know what's out of place? Think about it. Let's play with this for a minute. You have to look around, right? We're not going to plant a cactus on Holly Beach, are we? But now in Tucson, where my mother grew up, cactus is everywhere. A weed is something that is out of place. But you don't know it unless you know the circumstances around it. Unless you know exactly what is there. And we better remember that unlike planting a cactus on Holly Beach, God allows us to be where we are 
as a reminder of God's presence. Because you notice earlier on, he said, don't pull up the weeds, for you would uproot the wheat along with them. Part of our role as Christians, brothers and sisters, is to be the wheat in the middle of the weeds, to remember and to remind others of the friend we have in Jesus. Where the weeds and the kudzu want to take over our souls, want to take over our lives, want to take over our minds, take over our communities, take over our world, the plant that belongs stands out. And we've been allowed to be that plant through our friend Christ. But, along with being the wheat in the middle of the weeds, we must remember that our witness is subject to being obscured by the things that are not of and are hostile toward God. Our witness is subject to being obscured by things that are not of and are hostile toward God. It's easy to fall in love with Jesus when everything's awesome. It's easy to be a Christian when there's food on the table, money in the bank, and no one on your back. But that's not true Christianity. True Christianity, true faith, true love of God is found not when things are good, but when things are poor. And we must never be naive enough to believe that since we're Christians, everything in life is going to go according to plan. Christ Himself says the weeds may take you over if you're not careful. Because He says, let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let them both grow together. Let them both grow together. And you might want to ask yourself, why is that? Why does God want the weeds and the wheat to grow together? Why do we have to put up with all the garbage of life? Why do we have to put up with pain and despair? Why do we have to put up with incurable diagnoses? Why do we have to put up with sick babies? Why do we have to put up with broken hearts and abusive spouses? Why do we have to put up with bosses who treat us wrong? Why do we have to put up with the gossips in other towns, not Derrida? But why do we have to put up with all the other things that just drag us down and suck the life out of us when all we want is to do the best we can with what we have and to everything to come out okay. And it's very simple. One thing I do know, even though my green thumb could kill a plastic plant, I can tell you this, the more powerful plants will grow in place of the weaker plants. And the question is, are we confident enough in God's love? Are we confident enough in our friend Jesus to know that even though the weeds may be encroaching on our roses, our roses are strong enough to withstand the pressure. For where you and I may see the weeds of our life, weeds of the world coming and trying to crush us and trying to wilt us and trying to block the sun and trying to block the nutrients and trying to block everything to suck the life out of us, Christ sees a bigger picture. Where you and I may just see the weeds around us. We worship one who looks at the bigger picture. Look in verse 3. Or the 
the last part of this passage where he says, the Son of Man will send his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers and they will throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For you see, friends, Christ sees through the weeds for the depth of our faithfulness. Christ sees through the weeds for the depth of our faithfulness. Whereas you and I get may caught up and may get caught up in the here and now and go, I've had enough of God if God even exists because my life is such hell, there's no way in the world that God exists. Christ says, Look, at the right time, I will excise the world of all the sin and the evildoers. The challenge for you and I this morning as we hear Scribman's words to his mother is are we going to be those who rely on our friend Jesus? Are we going to be ones who take it to the Lord in prayer? Are we going to take it to our phones and to our Twitter and to our Facebook and take it out on the streets? Are we going to find a way to just blow up each other's worlds? Or are we going to be ones who are faithful enough to trust that Christ will have us grow even when the weeds of the world try to choke the life out of us? Notice in that last verse we sang, verse 3. Are we weak and heavy laden? Are we cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. The last thing we better remember from this passage about the weeds and the weeds. The last thing we need to remember in our brief time together about the third verse of this beautiful hymn is that through our active and tireless friendship with Christ, we have nothing to fear. Through our active and tireless friendship with Christ, we have nothing to fear. Because he says, after the weeds will be collected up, and after the weeds will be thrown in the furnace of fire, the last verse of this passage is, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. What a friend we have in Jesus. It's not just a sentimental favorite that continues what we've done pretty much every week since we started this series. It's not just a sentimental favorite found in a little brown hymnal that's found its way into a black hymnal that's found its way into other hymnals. It goes way back. But it cannot just be a sentimental favorite. It has to be a way of life, and it has to be a way of life because we must own our complicity and the hopelessness that permeates some of our lives and the lives of others. Because what, we have, what a friend we have in Jesus reminds us of our call to faithfulness, reminds us of our call to be people of prayer, reminds us of our call to stay steadfast. Because in the end, Christ tells us it will be worth it. The challenge of this hymn, and you'll love it when you find that fourth verse online, and he talks about the day that Christ comes again. The joy is in reminding ourselves 
that when our attitudes are not of God, it's not because of our circumstance. And when our attitudes are not of God, it's not because of someone else's work in our lives. We cannot blame it on someone else. For we have been given the truth. We know which plants belong and which ones don't. But instead, you and I know that it's because we don't take everything to the Lord in prayer. It's because you and I cast our friendship, or we cast Christ's friendship with us aside because we forget words like loyalty and words like friendship that ones who have our back, ones who care, one who loves. For one of you said honesty when I asked about the characteristic of a friend. My best friends in the world are not the ones that have told me what I want to hear. My best friends in the world are the ones that tell me what I don't want to hear. My best friends in the world are ones that call me to account when I don't do what I should. And my best friends in the world are the ones who love me enough that when something bad happens to me, as a result of stupidity on my part, they don't just go off on the one who may be mad at me. They say, what did you do? For a good friend is also one who holds you accountable. And in this passage, Jesus is holding us accountable. He is reminding us. He is reminding us that He has put us here for a purpose. But He has also reminded us that we have a choice. We can either be weeds or we can be wheat. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. No matter what, let us take it to the Lord in prayer because as He says, we will find a solace there. And the solace is not in the circumstance. The solace is in the reality that Jesus is our friend. So let me close with this question. The so what question, if you will. As I fully examine the life that I lead in thought, word, and deed. Can it be said that I have a friend in Jesus or merely an acquaintance? And what in my life needs to be changed so that my friendship with Christ is deep and abiding? And this, my friends, is the word that I share with you today in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. To the glory of God the Father. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First United Methodist Church of Derrida, Louisiana. Find out more about us at fumcderrida.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash fumcdr. Have a blessed day.